BatmanUniverse.net presents the Batman Universe Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 45. I'm your host Dustin and today we have with us... It's Apple. This is Nick. And we are bringing you the latest movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news from the past two weeks. As well as a spotlight character, which will be Calendar Man. And our feature, we are going to cover the status quo of the Batman comics right now. So, without further ado, let's get into movie news. So, Mr. Nigma, what's on your mind? Precisely. What's on all our minds? So we only have really one thing to report on November 23rd. Warner Brothers sent us over a press release discussing what exactly is going to be on the Justice League Crisis on Tours DVD. It covered everything from the special features to when officially it's going to be released. So they said that it's going to be released on February 23rd, 2010, and... There's three different versions that are going to be released. There's going to be a single-disc DVD, there's going to be a two-disc DVD, and there's going to be a Blu-ray disc. So the interesting thing about it is we talked about this back when we were talking about Comic-Con, how they said that they were going to start this thing called DC Showcase, and the very first one they're covering is going to be The Spectre, which is kind of interesting. And they're going to release these animated shorts covering different characters for every DC animated one that comes out from now until who knows when. But the Spectre is the first one they're going to cover, and that will be with Just Sleep Crisis on Tours. I'm very intrigued. I, I want to know what they're going to put on, uh, like the like the behind the scenes because I'm a big behind the scenes fan. So if they said that they're going to put it on a two disc. I want to see what's going to be on the on the second disc. But if you buy Blu-ray, of course, it's going to just be on that one Blu-ray. I'm quite interested in that DC showcase thing. I don't know a lot about the Spectre myself, but um, it's nice to see that they're doing these, they're branching out from the main characters and doing characters like the Spectre and, and other ones. And it'd be interesting to see, I assume they're going to do a series of these with the next few DVDs. So it'd be interesting to see what characters they pick. Yeah, the other thing that's I'm finding extremely interesting is on the Blu-ray version, there's actually going to be the television pilot episodes from the live-action Aquaman TV show, which some people out there may have may remember when they were talking about doing it. And if you watch Smallville, the, the, the actor who plays Green Arrow on Smallville was actually supposed to be Aquaman. But the other really interesting one was there was actually a live-action Wonder Woman show, which I had no idea about. Oh, I didn't have any idea about that one either. It, is they, They're going to put a pilot episode on that? Yeah, both pilot episodes for both, or, or well, the pilot episode for each of those shows will be on the Blu-ray. And we're not talking about the old Wonder Woman. We're talking about a one that's been done in the last five, ten years. That's what I'm assuming, uh, because Aquaman never made it onto the TV. So I'm assuming that this Wonder Woman is something else, and I don't know why they would put Wonder Woman from the '70s, but yeah, that would be a bit odd. Um, is that Aquaman one? Is that the one that had Ving Rhames in it? Yep. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting decision. I'm really not sure why they've decided to put it on there, but it's not, it's not bad in any way. I, I mean, I've seen the Aquaman pilot, and it's I think it's quite a fairly decent show. I was surprised it didn't get picked up, um, but it seems like a very odd decision to put it on there. Yeah, that's... I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to see this now. Yeah, so do I, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because it, it's just like um, recently they released something... To the public, it was Plastic Man, the complete series. It was a cartoon from the 70s. And on that, they had a pilot episode that they made for Plastic Man, a new series that they actually just made a couple years ago that I had no idea about until I watched the special features on that. And I was pretty intrigued by that. They actually had Tom Kenny, the voice of uh, SpongeBob, doing the voice for Plastic Man. But what's really strange to me is the fact that it's a live-action show that's been put on a DC animated universe film. That just seems odd to me, but 
But uh, yeah, I want to check these out now, especially find out what this Wonder Woman thing is. All right, so the other thing that, uh, movie news-wise, it's not really news, but we had some people ask us to cover rumors, and currently there's this rumor floating around that the next DC animated movie is going to be called Batman Under the Hood. There's absolutely no real information about this other than the fact that it's been specifically just briefly mentioned on Wikipedia, and I'm finding it kind of interesting just because... I don't know whether to believe it or not, or if it was just somebody saying, hey, I've got this awesome idea, and it's going to be this. Well, wouldn't it be that um, either Warner Brothers or DC would have sent us a press release uh, about a future animation? Uh, well, the thing is, not necessarily. Just because in the press release for Justice League Crisis on Tours, they did announce that obviously there will be a sneak peek at the upcoming DC animated film but they didn't say what it was. And the same thing happened when Superman and Batman was first announced. We knew that there was going to be a special feature on the DVD covering what exactly was what it was going to be, but it never actually said what the movie was. But there suddenly is something on Wikipedia under the upcoming projects for DC Universe animated movies where it says upcoming projects, Justice League, Crisis on Tours, and then right below that it says... Batman Under the Hood, and his description reads, currently unknown, may be an adaption of The Killing Joke or an adaption of Batman Under the Hood. So, either way, it'd be interesting for one of those two to be translated into that, and I think it'd be awesome to get a another Batman movie that is just focusing on Batman. Yeah, I would love to have some where Batman is just like, in Gotham, maybe just dealing, of course, with one of his villains, maybe Black Mask. <laughs> but I mean, you know us; we don't we don't give you know much to rumors. But once our imaginations go off about what we could get as far as animation for Batman, of course, we're gonna wonder. We're gonna be like, "Oh, I hope it's like this." But I don't want to get my hopes up if it's not true. Yeah, I'm not I'm not relying on this to be uh, completely true at the moment, but. Um, if it was between those two stories, I find it very hard to believe that they would do an under-the-hood storyline because then you've got to involve Jason Todd and you've got to do the whole history of Jason Todd. And I think that could get too confusing and too difficult to put into one film. Um, so for me, I would say if it's going to be anything, it's going to be something to do with the Red Hood Joker, that period, or Killing Joke or something like that. I find I think Under the Hood would be too much to do in one film. Well, you know, the Superman Batman, the DVD was taken off pretty good. And so with maybe they, they they were just trying something there where, you know, people would have bought that, you know, Lex Luthor is the president, where, you know, things, the storylines have kind of changed from the people that normally know what Lex Luthor is. It, they could, they could say, hey, you know what, there's a lot of comic book fans out there and, you know, we don't sell, you know, thousands, millions of comics for anything, you know, we can put a DVD out there and they'll know the story. So they can yeah. come from it from that angle. But then you've got a lot of people that are just going, oh, a Batman film, I'll pick that up. And then in the in the first five, ten minutes, you've got to explain where Dick Grayson was Robin, now he's not Robin, and then Jason Todd came along, and then Jason Todd got killed, and then Jason Todd came back from the dead. And I think that'd be tough to include and then get into the story. But see, it could be a hidden trick that could lure him into going to a comic book store and trying to figure out, hey, what was going on through this time? And so it could be where they might want to try to get them to pick up comics, too. Possibly. Possibly. I'm not really seeing that be a huge factor, though, just because if you look at all of the DC animated movies that are out there, none of them really, you don't watch the movie and think to yourself, I need to go read more about this, or I need to go find out some more information about that. Most of the stories are self-contained. All right, so moving along, let's move into TV news. The first thing we have, and the only thing we have is, and I'm not even sure if we actually talked about this on the last podcast or not, but... Batman the Brave and the Bold Season 2 has started, and basically there's there was a new episode that aired on November 20th, and it was entitled Death Race to Oblivion, and it was a pretty good episode if you, you had the chance to see it, great, if not, I'm sure it'll re-air on Cartoon Network as it always does, but the Season 2 has started a little earlier than we originally planned on it, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Actually, it's most of the time a good thing. So check out um, the website for any news about future episodes as they get released to us. 
I haven't had a chance to to see it because it always airs right where I'm either out or doing something. But I always catch the reruns, so I always make it a point to try to see the reruns. I saw it. I thought it was a pretty good start to the series. And we mentioned that it was a bit like Wacky Races on the last podcast, and that was definitely the vibe I was getting from it. And uh, But it was, it was pretty good fun. All right, so moving along into merchandise news, we have two things. The first thing is on Monday, November 16th, the new DC Direct items were announced for July of 2010. And there was only a couple, but uh, one of the things that they announced that we're going to cover is there's a statue that's being released for Justly Crisis on Two Earths, and it's an Owlman DVD maquette. And it's going to be $99. Now, the only reason why we're covering this is because Owlman technically is a Batman from a different universe. So that's why we're covering that one. But that actually is coming out not July, but actually in February. Now, the items that are scheduled to come out in July is a Batman black and white statue, Catwoman by Steve Rude. And then there's going to be a DC cover art reproduction print of All-Star Batman and Robin. And then there's going to be an action figure series, which we talked about before because it was in the Wizard magazine, but it's the Batman Reborn series, and it will include the new Azrael, the new Batgirl, Jason Todd as Batman, and Two-Face as Batman. So those are ones to look forward to next summer. Yeah, I gotta get that, that Jason Todd Batman, I really like that. But that Batgirl, her, the new suit, I really like that one, that one was really cool. And so I, I think these are going to be all almost by even the the two face withholding the gun. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I am running a bit low on funds, and I'm sure by July that situation probably won't change very much. But uh, for me, <laughs> uh, the ones that interest Azrael looks good, and uh, the Jason Todd Batman looks good. The two face Batman, though, I'm really not sure that was worth it because I mean, how many panels was that? He was in like two panels, wasn't he? That's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And it was a hallucination in the end, so that was a real letdown, I thought. And, um, yeah, I imagine the guys that made that uh, figure were thinking, oh, yeah, this character's going to be around for a while, and probably a bit let down. All right, so the other thing we have is on November 18th, Maddie Collector posted up some news about the Dark Knight Movie Masters. Now, you may have noticed that the survival suit Bruce Wayne never went on sale on the 16th like it was supposed to, um, but it turns out that they postponed the figure for production reasons. Now, as we know, there were seven figures announced in the past at San Diego Comic-Con, as well as New York Comic-Con. The Joker as the Gotham City Thug was released last month in October, and it looks like they are bumping the original schedule back only one month, so it will pick back up in December. Now, the six remaining figures will be available on MaddieCollector.com, and then will make it to Toys R Us this spring. The Joker figure, the Joker Gotham City Thug figure, will remain an exclusive only on MaddieCollector.com. So the release schedule for the remaining figures is as follows. December 15th, Survival Suit Bruce Wayne. January 15th, Harvey Dent. February 15th, the Joker with Missile Launcher. March 15th, Scarecrow. April 15th, Batman, the Night Vision version. May 17th, Two-Face. So, as soon as we get some more news, you'll be sure to hear it from us. Yeah, uh, and of course, you know, I'm a big movie masters collector, so I gotta get these. Do you guys remember figures coming out as often as as this with past films, like with Batman Begins and Batman 89? Did the figures keep on coming out, you know, two years after the film was released? You know, um, with uh, with Batman Forever, it seemed like the figures came out in a in a whole big wave, and then every so often you'll see like a, a different version, whether they were like on a futuristic bike or a, fut- a futuristic car, and they would sell them like that. By this time, though, it was already dying down, though, and it just seems that. The Dark Knight, as far as now, the way as far as products are made, uh, with the quality and, of course, the detail that a lot of different companies are putting into these figures, it seems that the Dark Knight collection, as far as as a total, it's not dying. If you see like the like the DX figure of the Joker that came out from DC Direct. I mean, collectors are like just awing at that figure, and they want more. And everything sells out. Everything completely sells out. And you know I'm a collector, so I'm out there. I'm buying it just just like every other Batman collector out there. And 
it's not dying down. It, it's it's a monster. Yes, the film was a monster. But on the backside, as far as products, as far as uh, collection figures, um, anything that they bring out, everything is still selling as if the movie was still not out yet. Yeah, because I get the feeling that this is just going to keep staying at this popularity until whenever Batman 3 comes along, and then you'll get the same thing again, probably. Yeah, I think that's true. The other thing... To, I, I think to keep in mind is that nowadays I think there's more of a demand from collectors that they want more figures, they really like them and that's been shown through all of the different things that Mattel's been doing with the DC anything that's DC related I mean that's why the whole MattyCollector.com website was created specifically to have collectors out there have a way of finding out directly from Mattel what's going on instead of having to go to random different websites. Justice League Unlimited, those action figures are a perfect example because about two years ago, the show was over and they had absolutely no inclination of continuing the series and then all of a sudden it was demanded to Mattel that that people still wanted figures. So Mattel kept doing it. And that screwed everything that I did because I had a display case that I made specifically for the right amount of figures and then once they said that they were coming out with more then I ran out of space and now they just sit in a box but eventually they'll get displayed but I mean that's what's going on I mean Justice League Unlimited's been off the air since what 2006 yeah I mean even that I mean as you see right now though since you collect them I collect them they're still in demand. I mean, just like the Grey Ghost, when the Grey Ghost popped out, I mean, how long did that stay on shelves? I mean, I'll tell you that right now. It didn't stay very long down here. Yeah. All right, so let's move into video game news. Okay. Uh, for video game news, guys, if you if you had a chance, Black Friday, a lot of video game stores were actually having a sale on Batman Arkham Asylum for only 40 bucks. Now, if you were lucky, some stores still had strategy guides, and some of them were already just packaging them with it. Now, they didn't say it in the ad, but if you actually went on Black Friday, but the sales were still going on through Saturday, you could still get them. Now, I want to go ahead and let you know on an inside, uh, on an inside track that if you find one of those bundles with Batman Arkham Asylum, that you can actually still get it for the sale price. Now, did, I know you guys already have Batman Arkham Asylum, but did y'all see those deals out there? I was working, so... <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that, was, uh, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> but I saw it, and I, honestly, me being a collector, I contemplated buying another third copy of <laughs> Arkham Asylum because I was just like, wow, that's a good deal. I want to go ahead and get that. <laughs> but uh, also, guys, I do want to inform you that there have been rumors on now on video game rumors are very different from movie rumors because once the video game rumors have started something leads to it because video game fans and of course if you have the testers that have worked on past video games there has been news that at this E3 Warner Brothers and Rocksteady may be announcing the next Batman video game now the details are not out right now guys it's just rumors but keep in mind, rumors for video games are different from movies. So go ahead and stay tuned to the Batman universe, and we'll go ahead and keep you informed on that. Whenabouts is E3? Oh, right. June. There you go. June. So we probably won't hear anything till then. In, you know what? Some, something as big as this, as, as it was, and even being nominated for uh, Game of the Year, this is going to be a monster, too. So, and it just seems like that. Anything that involves Batman is just just like a monster on its own. And so I, I doubt that if something is out there, they'll be able to keep it under wraps for, for that long. Cool. Well, we'll find out. Okay, guys. And for uh, Wednesday, November 18th, it was announced that Batman Arkham Asylum was nominated for Game of the Year. Spy TV had held this press conference announcing this. So if you don't know, guys, you would actually have to go to the uh, the Video Game Awards, which is the VGA for Spike, and go ahead and go to that to that website to go ahead and view it. Now, go ahead and click on the BatmanUniverse.net. Go to Video Game News, and you view the website through there. Now, the show will be airing on December 12th, so go ahead and keep up with that, guys. Do you know what it's up against? 
Uncharted 2, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Assassin's Creed, and uh, Halo. On Tuesday, November 24th, it was announced that Nightwing, the character, was shown for uh, DC Universe Online. Now, uh, Comic Book Resources broke this since they they had the exclusive for it at at first. And uh, they show pictures of Nightwing, of course, being in DCUO and... This Nightwing actually looks really cool. <laughs> so, but unfortunately, guys, if you've been keeping up with the DCO Unlimited, we have been informing you that you will not be able to play with this character, but you will be able to play alongside this character. Uh, go under our uh, video game news, click on uh, Nightwing being announced under uh, for DCUO, and you can go ahead and see Nightwing going across. And they actually showed Robin. <laughs> And that hasn't been announced either. But in one of the screenshots, you could actually see Robin right there, Tim Drake, fighting alongside Nightwing. So I think that was a leak that they didn't even catch on to. (laughs) But uh, as far as video game news, that's all all we have, guys. Okay, and we don't have any general news, so we're going to get right into our listener question. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Now, this question comes from Cynthia, and she lives in New York, and her question was, Hey guys, with the holidays right around the corner, if you had to pick one Batman item that you want for Christmas, what would you pick? You know, to be honest, guys, I already got everything I want. I even have the big Batmobile from Hot Wheels, I mean from Hot Toys, so uh, this is going to be tough. Well, think about it. I'll start. (laughs) So, I guess I'll start, and I'll say that... I really like to find the Batmobile and Batpod from Hot Toys because I haven't seen them anywhere yet. And that would, if I had those, that would complete my collection of the Hot Toys figures so far. Uh, what I would really like at the moment, I'm working hard on building up my comic collection. And uh, I'm going back to get some older comics. So, quite simply, some money to buy older comics would be great. Oh, plus I got an uh, HDTV. So, um,. Dark Knight on Blu-ray would be good, too. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, gosh, what do you ask for the guy that ha- almost has everything about him? I would say that um, there was a, a 70s toy I had of Batman, and um, I actually just found the picture from, from my mom's stash of hidden pictures, and uh, it was a picture of me, and I'm holding uh, a Batman. Uh, the Batman's still in the box, but he has, like, a grapple hook of some sort. And uh, I honestly, I totally forgot about that toy until my mom showed me that picture. And I remember just, like, playing for hours with it. So, um, actually, for Christmas, I'm probably going to try to set out and try to find that toy. And I'll share the picture on the forum, guys. So, uh, I'll go to collections, and I'll post that picture of me with that with that Batman toy, so I would want that. Okay. So there's your answer, Cynthia. Remember, send all your questions to podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. We might ask your question next time around. So let's get into our spotlight character, which in this episode is Calendar Man. You filthy criminals. The Calendar Man was a costume criminal who plagued Batman from the early days of his career in Gotham City. Detective Comics number 259 from September 1958. Julian Gregory Day, the calendar man, first came to the attention of law enforcement when he audaciously attacked the Gotham City Planetarium. Dressed like the man from the moon, he stole priceless stamps that had been hand-canceled on the lunar surface by astronauts. His costume antics and broad approach to crime marked him as both a deranged thief and a thrill-seeking exhibitionist. In time, he came to appreciate matching wits with Batman. He once admitted that even though killing the Dark Knight would be a red-letter day, the days that followed would be hollow. The Calendar Man based his crimes on elements taken from across history, which on the one hand made him predictable, and on the other made him a challenge to apprehend. He sported 16 different outfits during his first three crime sprees, to the delight of the press and the consternation of the Gotham City Police Department. Briefly, the calendar man worked out of a ground-level headquarters there was a shrine to timekeeping devices. Batman was at first confounded by the plethora of high-tech gear the calendar man employed, from lasers to sonic weaponry, but finally found an approach leading to Day's apprehension. 
The Batman and Captain James Gordon offered the incarcerated Day a deal. If he provided them with information and analysis regarding a similarly themed murderer known as the Holiday, Gordon would have Day sentence commuted to time served. Day agreed to help and even accurately determined the killer to be a woman, which was partly correct. That was in Batman Long Halloween number 3 from February 1997. It later turned out that the holiday was both a man, Albert Falcone, and a woman, Gilda Dent. When Batman apprehended Falcone, he wound up in the cell facing Day at Arkham Asylum. By this time, Day had the months of the year tattooed around his shaved head. That was in Batman Dark Victory, number zero, from 1999. When a new killer dubbed the Hangman began a spree in Gotham, the deaths were also linked to the Calendar Man. Former District Attorney Harvey Dent broke Day out of Arkham and put him on a mock trial with the other costume felons as his jury. Dent tried to determine if Day was Hangman. Day continued to profess that he never condoned murder, and it was more likely Dent, not Day, who was the murderer. Day was freed and took advantage of the two-way mirrors and secret passages Dent had installed in Falcone's home. When Falcone was paroled from Arkham, he heard voices, which he interpreted as his dead father urging him to go back to murdering others and then commit suicide. Driven to the edge, Falcone finally realized his father would never ask him to do these things, and he fired at the mirror from which the voice was emerging. Day was on the other side and fired his pistol as well. Day was incensed that others would steal his motif, and other costume criminals soon made Gotham forget about the calendar man. This was in Batman Dark Victory number 7, June 2000, number 11, October 2000, and number 12, November 2000. Batman and Gordon arrived two hours later to find Day on the Falcone property. His jaw broke. Falcone soon after succumbed to the wound he'd received from Day in Batman Dark Victory number 13, December 2000. The Calendar Man quickly returned to his over-the-top crime, seeking the spotlight. No other criminal was bold enough to challenge Batman and Robin in print, so Day took to announcing his criminal plans in the Gotham Gazette, daring the dynamic duo to stop him. The timely criminal appeared in one-off costumes until settling on a red-and-white number that featured calendar pages for a cape. In addition to his spectacular solo crimes, he was recruited on several occasions for large capers. He was once freed from prison by the eco-terrorist Ra's al Ghul and actually refused to join the mass attack on the Dark Knight, and that was in Batman number 400 from October 1986. His losses to Batman finally dried up his financial resources, and he was forced to remain in his one costume. As a result, he partnered with Catman and Chancellor and Killer Moss scheme to kidnap Bruce Wayne, Mayor Armand Kral, and Commissioner Gordon for a $10 million ransom. He showed a marked difference from his peers, known as the Misfits, when he insisted that the hostages not be killed, something Killer Moth was more ready to do. This was in Batman Shadow of the Bat 7-9 through 9, in December 1992 through February 1993. Another failed attempt at working in a group saw Calendar Man recruited by the Criminal 2000 Committee, along with the Clock King, Kronos, and the Time Commander in an attempt to overthrow the federal government. They were stopped, despite their timely planning, by the Team Titans, with Day having some of his hair burned off by a battalion. This was in Team Titans 13 through 15, 1993. The Time Thieves actually re-teamed again, now seeking a device that would enable them to travel through time with ease. Instead, they found themselves trapped in a temporal loop until the Time Commanders shattered his powerful hourglass. This was in Showcase 94, issue 10 in 1994, and sounds very confusing. The repeated time-traveling events left Day's mind rattled, and it took him some time to sort out the nightmares from reality. In one nightmare, he imagined his bald-headed incarnation as a jailer at Arkham, and that was in Superman number 160 from 2000. Regardless, Day faced trial for his latest crimes and was sentenced to prison, once more experiencing a psychotic breakdown that led to his return to Arkham. He was freed when Bane released all the inmates. He fled to try his luck in Sentry City, only to be thwarted by Power Girl. This time, he was sent to Blackie Penitentiary until an earthquake destroyed the facility. They remained in Gotham even after the federal government withdrew its support. After surviving in No Man's Land, he eventually turned himself over to the law and was sent back to rebuild Arkham. There, a radical therapy was attempted placing him in a darkened room away from the calendars and reminders of time's passage. 
Rather than help, the solitary confinement seemed to shatter his psyche. After additional therapy, Day was surprisingly paroled. He was not at all cured, however, and grew obsessed with the time that had passed, the events and holidays he had missed while in Arkham. Dressed in a new costume, the calendar man now wore predominantly red, including hood and cape, with gold shoulder pads and belt, and an Egyptian motif that included a pharaoh's mask and a sacred ibis on his chest. He spent five months recruiting henchmen and planning a new wave of amazing crimes. The dynamic duo concluded that his crimes were based on ancient calendars, not the modern-day Gregorian version. The villain grew more brazen and actually resorted to mass murder when he used a shoulder-mounted rifle to fire a missile that destroyed an airliner with 200 people aboard. Batman uses Matches Malone persona to force the underworld to team up and bring Calendar Man to justice. They took down the henchmen, but Day himself remained free as he threatened a nuclear power plant with a bazooka. Batman arrived in time to spoil the shot and save Gotham. Day was arrested, tried, found guilty, and sentenced to eight years in prison. That was in Batman 80 page giant number three from 2000. And that is Calendar Man. Holy Merlin the Magician! Now, the one thing to keep in mind is that uh, Calendar Man has actually appeared in television incarnations. Recently, he's appeared in Batman the Brave and the Bold, the episode with Legends of the Dark Might. He also appeared as, well, a version, a female variation of him appeared as Calendar Girl in the new Batman Adventures. And there's another note on here that says, in the season two premiere of the Venture Brothers, there's a character that gets together a ragtag group of supervillains, and one of the characters' name is Mr. Monday, and that character's design is almost identical to Calendar Man. Decent people shouldn't live here. They'd be happier someplace else. All right, and that's going to take us into our feature, which, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to talk about the current status quo of the Batman comics. There's a bunch of stuff going on, and I know that not all of the people who listen to this podcast follow the comics, but I think it's a good idea every once in a while to tell you about what's going on in the comics, so that way you know. And that way, if there's something that you want to pick up, you can go pick it up. Mm Mm-hmm. So as we all know, Dick Grayson is currently parading around Gotham City as Batman. Tim Drake, also known as Tim Wayne, is actually on the other side of the world, and he is now Red Robin. Damien, Bruce Wayne's illegitimate son with Talia al Ghul, is in fact the new Robin. Jason Todd, who as we saw in Battle for the Cowl, was playing as Batman, took it upon himself to become the Red Hood again, and then recruit a sidekick known as Scarlet, which was a girl who had a villain kind of peel her face off. Let's see, who else do we have? So there's Oracle, who's now setting up shop in the Batcave, and Stephanie Brown, the old spoiler, is now the new Batgirl. Azrael is back, but not the Azrael we all knew from before. Sean Paul Valley is still dead. Or if you're following Black, Blackest Night, you'll know that he is a Black Lantern now. But that's something that's a little too much of what we'll cover. But uh, th- there is an Azrael in the comics right now, and his name is Michael Lane. So that's the characters that are going on. Now, as far as the comics that are out there, um, there's a couple of ones that we're going to cover first that have nothing to do with the current continuity. Just We're just going to briefly go over them. Um, Batman Confidential is a bunch of different story arcs that have Bruce Wayne as Batman. And Apple's going to tell us a little bit about Batman Confidential. Yeah, Batman Confidential is kind of like a retelling or reintroduction to certain uh, storylines, certain villains maybe that came along, Uh, even past stories that uh, have been like rehashed and redone and probably more updated. Batman Confidential sometimes can be a, a hit or a miss. The last storyline, we, we just had, uh, there was a character that we knew from the 80s as KGB Beast, and he was more like a, a Deadshot kind of character uh, back then. In Batman Confidential, he was actually a beast, kind of like looking like Beast from X-Men or kind of like a Hulk kind of type character. So it gives you kind of an idea of what Batman Confidential is. It's really an interpretation of the artist and writer and how they want to tell it. So you can't take the continuity too seriously because it's not going to be in continuity. But 
honestly, it can be much fun while you're reading the stories on Confidential. All right. Now, another one of the series that are out there right now, which is about to wrap up, is uh, Batman the Unseen. What is your thoughts on that, Apple? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Batman Unseen had potential. Uh, Monik and Kelly have they've teamed up many times through the 90s, even through now. And I hope that it was going to be better. Um, this guys, this series is a real miss because even though it's a five-parter, this story could have been done in two issues, no more. And it is a real miss. So it's honestly, guys, it's kind of crap. However, the highlight to it was uh, Kelly Jones drawing uh, Black Mask. He can really draw Black Mask, but I don't like his Batman. I don't like his other interpretation of other characters, but he knows how to use dark colors real well, and Black Mask deserves that. So that's the only highlight from that book. It really annoys me when um, they get a comic series like that and they have a story. I think the the Batman Confidential one you were mentioning with the uh, the Russian one, uh, where these stories that could be told in two issues, maybe three, and then they stretch it out far too long and it gets boring and just a waste of money. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know how you feel, Nick or Dust, but, I mean, if you stretch a story out for so long... Now, comic books are not a $1.99. They're not a $1.50 anymore. I mean, we're talking about $3, $4 comics. If you have fans spending 3 to $4 on a comic that the story's really not there that you could have done in two issues, you're not going to bring them back. In fact, you're just going to sway them away from it. And I think that's what has kind of hurt sometimes the bad titles. Agreed. All right, so another book out there right now is Batman the Widening Gear. Now, this is uh, a six-part series, but it's actually going to be two volumes, each having six. I'm not real sure how it's being broken down because it keeps changing. Originally, they said it was going to be 12 issues, but they were going to break it in half to make sure that there's there wasn't any issues as far as uh, getting it out on time because it's being written by Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith is notorious for getting stuff out late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they said they're going to break it up, but already we had already had saw with one issue it was already late. So uh, it, the winding gear, listen, it, it's either you're a Kevin Smith fan or you're not. Kevin Smith gives you a lot of read. He gives you a lot to intake. He's not a typical Batman writer, I will say that. Um, you do have to come accustomed to his style of writing, but if if you have the time to put in, you can you know really kind of enjoy his view of Batman. But uh, it, it, it's introducing a new character, so I mean it, it's just it's really for fun. But at the same time, Kevin Smith gives you a lot to read, you know. So if if you love to read comics, I suggest picking up the Winding Gear. I haven't actually um, read any of Kevin Smith's Batman stuff, but I do want to give it a go just because it is Kevin Smith. But I must admit, from you guys and generally other websites and stuff, it doesn't sound like it's incredibly positive. I also, I, I believe it's pronounced widening gyre, not gear. Is it gyre? Yeah. I think so, yeah. All right, so then the only other book that's out right now that's not really in continuity is Batman the Brave and the Bold, which really is just a kid's book that is out there because there's the TV show that's out there. Yeah, it's kind of like the Batman. The Batman ended on, what, issue 50? Yes. Right? So it's kind of like that kind of deal, I feel. And whenever The Brave and the Bold ends, I'm sure this comic will end as well, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. It'll probably end shortly afterwards. All right, so let's get into the main books now. So these are the books that are in continuity, and we'll start off with Batman Robin. Now, the first three issues were done by Grant Morrison and Frank Quiley, and then they moved on to, well, the artists are the only one changing. Grant Morrison's still writing all of these, but the first artist was Frank Quiley for the first three. The second three were was Philip Tan, and now moving into issue number six, we have uh, Cameron Stewart who some of you may know as a Catwoman artist. So as far as what's been going on in that book, a lot of weird, crazy stuff. That's the best way to put it. Um, Jason Todd came back, as the last time we saw him was at the end of Battle for the Cow falling off a train as he was fighting with Dick Grayson. Well, he's came back, and he wants to be a vigilante just like 
Batman, but he wants to take it to a degree where he's doing what Batman can ever do and kill villains instead of just letting them go to jail. So that's what he does. And the last issue that we saw, he actually killed one of the villains and then is about to go to jail. So his days of Red Hood are at this point over and he's about to go back to jail. Now the question is, will Tim Drake free him from prison? Time will only tell. Grant Morrison, even though people ripped him for the for the the RIP run, I, I I find it now it's quite obvious, and this is how funny us comic readers are. We can rip a guy once and then think he's completely brilliant the next. And, and uh, Grant Morrison, of course, with Frank Quiley, man, they're an awesome team, man. That's like Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I for comic fans. I mean, well, for fans that listen to this cast and not really to the comic cast, you got to go back and read those because those are really good books. Yeah, I think those first um, three episodes might be some of the best comics you'll ever see. Certainly the best Batman ones around. And um, I thought it was great. I think it's been a great series so far. And someone described it, I think, shortly before it came out as the 60s show, but dark and twisted. And I think those first three issues were particularly... Uh, accurate to that and I think it's been really great and I think it's probably the best series or my favorite series so far all right so moving along we have Batgirl now as we said Stephanie Brown who used to be spoiler she also was Robin at one point as well is now Batgirl the former Batgirl Cassandra Kane we're not real sure what's going on with her they really haven't discussed what's going on with her yet um, Oracle Barbara Gordon also a former Batgirl, is kind of playing a mentor role for Stephanie Brown, and she's set up shop in the Batcave since Dick Grayson feels the necessity to abandon shop and only work outside of Wayne Enterprises. I really love this series. Um, I, I think it's great. What do you think, this? I think the thing is with this series is that it's introducing a lot of new characters, which I'm enjoying, but it's also... It seems by what's been announced for future is that they're starting to they're going to be having some villains that haven't really been showcased in a very long time and they're actually taking the issue that's coming out in February will actually feature a character from Batman the animated series Roxy Rocket which nobody's seen oh yeah I um I haven't read this series actually but I'm thinking of dropping confidential if it has another bad issue or two and then starting to read this one because it seems this one's getting some of the best reviews from your comic podcast alright so then the other series out there obviously the main Batman title Batman so I have to say the first couple issues since Batman Reborn kicked off were very 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 weak when they said Judd Winnick was going to be on the book I kind of was dreading that to begin with and my thoughts were proved correct when Judd Winnick made a complete mockery out of that book. But Tony Daniel, who did Battle for the Cowl, is now back on Batman, and he's actually telling a decent story, and eventually I am thinking that we're going to find out who, in fact, Black Mask is, or if he is the uh, character that he was prior to getting killed by Catwoman. But there's actually a bunch of storylines happening at once in Batman, which is a lot more interesting than what Judd Winnick was doing before. I agree with you. Now, I'm not the biggest Tony Daniel fan. Uh, of course, of course, fans ripped him too for the Battle of the Cal thing. But I think he's done a better job than Winnick. But at the same time, I was utterly disgusted when I saw Black Mask in a robe. I was like, what the deal is going on here? I was like, what the heck is he wearing? But so I was like, oh, my God, please, I need to take him to a tailor and get his three-piece suit back on because I don't think that was Black Mask there. But uh, that was my only issue with it. But you are right. Uh, Tony Daniels has done a better job. Well, I'm starting to wonder if Black Mask or the new Black Mask is, in fact, a man. But uh, regarding the series, I think I think you're being a little bit harsh on Judd Winnick. I personally thought it's not great, certainly. Um, I thought it was okay, nothing special at all. And I was quite glad he was gone. I didn't. I wouldn't say it's the worst stuff I've ever read or anything like that. I was a bit disappointed that he left this story thread regarding Dick Grayson's parents, and that doesn't seem to have been picked up at all by Tony Daniel. I hope that's not just been dropped off, but it could well have been because I don't think uh, DC wanted Job Winnick to hang around for long. Uh, but Tony Daniel, I've 
he certainly picked up the pace a lot, and there seems to be a lot more going on. There's a lot more mystery, a lot more questions, a lot more excitement, and it's now a series worth reading. All right, so the next book we have is Red Robin. As we said, Tim Drake is now Red Robin. He's traveling the world trying to prove to everyone that Bruce Wayne is still alive. Actually, in one of the more recent issues, he's actually found out that Bruce Wayne is still alive. He's just stuck in time. Mm-hmm. Um, he got all of that from only seeing a bat symbol on a cave wall. And <laughs> he really truly is the world's greatest detective. He currently is actually teaming up with Razel Ghoul to take out a group called the Council of Spiders, which is kind of like the League of Assassins, arch enemies. It'll be interesting to see how exactly this is going to play out into how this has anything at all to do with him finding out where Bruce Wayne is. But as Dan DiDio has said in some different interviews, Red Robin will play a major role, or the Red Robin series will play a major role in what happens with Bruce Wayne's return next year in 2010. I agree. I think that uh, Red Robin is going to be the the main part. Of course, we all know that Tim is a great detective, so it's only fitting that Tim find out where Bruce Wayne is at. I think Red Robin has seriously got sidetracked because when I first started reading it, I was under the impression this is the book that's gonna. This is the mission to bring Bruce Wayne back. I thought, great, this is going to be really exciting. And since then, he's gone off to see Ra's al Ghul. He's got involved in some the League of Assassins and the Council of Spiders stuff and a war that they're having with each other. And you think, how is this helping him find Bruce Wayne? And then also, it's issue, what, five or six now? And apparently he's already discovered Bruce Wayne is stuck in time. So it doesn't sound like this is going to last very long. I've just got a feeling it's got seriously sidetracked. And rather than trying to make this a book about bringing Bruce Wayne back, it's more a book now that I think it's just going to... They've got an idea. This is going to be the ongoing series that will go on for, for ages, and this will be Tim Drake's series. So I've been quite disappointed at the fact... It's been quite. It's sidetracked. And I don't think this is this book is as important as DC are making it out to be. And I don't think, as much as Dan DiDio will say it, I don't think this book is going to be vital to Bruce Wayne's return. Well, you don't think so, Nick? Way, I, I think it'll be vital in the way that um, Bruce Wayne, well, Tim Drake is the only one so far in the entire DC universe that doesn't think that Bruce Wayne is dead. So I think that's why it's going to be such an important book. But I think there's going to be something else that does that. I think Tim Drake's just going to follow the clues, but I think there's going to be something else that brings Bruce back. I just don't think this book is is as important as they say it will be. But, you know, we'll find out. I just think the fact they're involving all the Council of Spiders and everything like that just tells me they're wasting a bit of time. Well, that could be just because they're waiting for certain events to happen a couple months from now. Issue <laughs> <HG> 700. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so next we have Azrael, which at this point there's only been two issues of Azrael that have come out. What's your thought on those, Apple? Ooh, I said it on the comic cast where the John Paul Valley Azrael went for 100 issues. The Michael Lane, I don't see it going that far. However, there are pluses to this Azrael. This Azrael, they've gone more in the. Even though Azrael started off with a, a religious base, I think in this one they're playing off of that, and I think they're really going off of a of a Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons type thing with Azrael, and it really makes for a real cool underlying story. Uh, the art is really I like the art, and the reason why the art it's not it's not Photoshop, it's not digital. It takes it back to the way comics were drawn by an artist. And uh, it doesn't sell you on what I call the fake stuff. Uh, so it, it's pretty much a real comic book to me. And it's it's a good take. It's a good take. I don't think a lot of people uh, might accept it or, or say, you know what, this is not going to really do it for me, this Azrael. But I think it's a cool take. If you can open yourself and, and take a look at it, I think it's a good take. But I, I don't see it running for 100 issues. What do you think is the actual problem with it? Why has it had a difficult start? There's there's certain things that Batman fans want from Batman characters, even villains or even outside characters. And I I think that Michael Lane, even though he has a lot of conflict in his life, I mean, he's lost a lot, and he's 
he's done a lot of wrong where he's trying to find a way that his connection to ultimately his faith is in a way being questioned, but he has to serve it even if he has to be the bad guy. And to be honest, a lot of Batman fans, we want to see that action. We want to see that high-flying state, but we want a great storyline with it. It, That's hard to capture. It really is hard to capture. That's why you see these one-shots come out and uh, like like the Unseen to see if people are going to gauge it, and they don't accept it. Azriel, he's kind of been a fixture with the Batman history now that you can probably change him up into different incarnations of whatever character he is, whatever he's going to do. This Azrael doesn't strike me that people are going to really take to him because he's not, he's not a red Robin. He's not a Dick Grayson. He's, he's a different kind of hero in a way, but not really being a hero because he has to do bad stuff. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is that, a lot of people don't realize that even the, one of the reasons why Azrael, the Sean Paul Valley Azrael lasted a hundred issues was because Sean Paul Valley Azrael was in the comics for a couple of years before he had his own series. Mm-hmm. He did. He, I mean, he was during the whole Nightfall story, and he was involved in a major storyline. Michael Lane, it, like, yes, he's had a part in some of the stuff that's happened in the past, but nothing like extremely substantial where it's like, oh, this person played a huge role in in the the history of Batman. No, it's not like that at all. And I think that's, to me, I think that's one of the major reasons of why it's it'll be a good series and it'll be worth reading, but it might it's not necessarily going to last. And it's because it has it has no real basis to go on um, as far as there's not any substantial history where this person is actually directly linked to the Batman universe. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a very good becoming Azrael. That's a very good I, point, I, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right because John Paul Valley established himself in that nightfall storyline and we went through up and downs because we thought he was gonna be the next Batman. And then some of the decisions he made were like, Whoa, and then Bruce came back and went after him. His character was a fully in his history was fully established within the Batman comic. Michael Lane, it was just said, oh, he was just one of the Batmans, but we're going to go into his comic. Uh, I, I don't think people have time to invest in that kind of character that wasn't in the Batman comic. Exactly. And it's open to pretty poor reviews generally, which isn't a very good start for a comic that needs a good start. Yeah, which is right. especially interesting because Fabian Zaza did Robin, and we gave that series the last probably about the last six issues that they had of Robin uh, when Tim Drake was Robin amazing reviews and it was amazing art, amazing uh, writing and it's kind of a turnaround and I'm not sure why yeah. it, I, honestly it, it's the character it's it's buying into the character yeah alright so next we have Batman Streets of Gotham which when it first came out, we assumed it was going to be covering various different people within Gotham City, and for the most part, it has done that. But more recently, it's actually included a little bit more of Batman himself. Um, very recently, Paul Dini took a two-issue break, and Chris Yost, who's doing Red Robin, came over to do a story about Huntress and Manbat, which turned out to be a really good story. Um, Paul Dini's been doing some amazing things with some very, very extremely random characters, um, such as somebody called the Broker, which is a guy who finds hideouts for different people or different villains in Gotham City. Overall, I mean, the book, there was like, the first two issues were kind of, eh, kind of weak, and then all of a sudden it just really took off in August uh, with issue number three. It was amazing with uh, Mr. Zaz, and the upcoming issues in the future are looking up and up too because we're getting we're going to be getting some other characters like Humpty Dumpty who we haven't seen in quite some time um, in the series and I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it because the Zaz thing is actually going to play a part in the future storyline as well but we're getting these little bits and pieces where we're filling in some history gaps that we haven't seen before such as we heard about um, the history of Gotham City and how it went from 
and why there's so many exotic locations such as so many different carnivals and stuff like that where it's perfect places for villains to have their hideouts. And there was an explanation behind it, and it made complete sense after it was explained, and I thought it was really good. And I'm actually looking forward to this series probably more so than a lot of the other series. And then the co-feature in the back about Manhunter, I was kind of weary about this when at first when it was really focusing on Jane Doe. Um, but more recently, the fact that Manhunter, Kate Spencer, who's the district attorney now of Gotham City, is going after Two-Face. It's becoming a lot more interesting. Yeah, um, this is... I- if you're not staying up with this one, this one's a good one. Uh, of course, we review it on the comic cast, and I, it's worth my money. It's worth my money, even though it is a dollar extra, which is it's which means it's even more worth the money than it normally would be. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we have the Outsiders. Now, the Outsiders um, kind of, in my opinion, took a kind of a turn during the Batman Reborn when Batman Reborn started, and. It was Alfred leading the Outsiders, Alfred being the person who sends them out on missions. And in some regards, it's still been that, but not the way it was when they first started doing it. And actually, it seems like Alfred is appearing less and less and less in the book. And with Dan DiDio coming on the book in January, it's looking like I'm really starting to get afraid of what could possibly happen with this book. I think you and every forum-going Batman member that talks on a forum is scared about this. We don't know what to expect from Dan, so... Oh, my gosh. I don't know what to say. (laughs) I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to read it. I just don't know what to expect. I don't know. When you you get the solicitation for the first one, uh, the first book that he's on, and you see a Superman character on the cover of a book that's supposed to be Batman-related, that's what kind of concerns me. Or I should say starts to concern me. Mm-hmm. It seems like a, a typical Dan DiDio sort of thing to do is to go, right, I think I feel like writing a comic. Why don't I go on a comic that everyone just seems happy with right about now and mess around with it and see what they think about it afterwards? Yeah. Okay, so then we have Superman Batman. Now, honestly, Superman Batman has been extremely weak recently. Um, and the only reason why we're grouping this one in continuity is because supposedly, supposedly, in the future, they're going to start incorporating some of the past storylines, start filling in some of the gaps like our world at war and one year later, stuff like that. Some of the gaps and some of the answers and answer some of the questions that we didn't get answers to when the series and those storylines were actually going on. But currently, I mean, honestly... The last couple issues have just been pure crap, in my opinion. Oh, man. You're just being too nice there with that review. Uh, utterly crap, I would say. <laughs> it's just crap. I mean, the the last one had really no meaning to it. Was it supposed to be a tie-in? Because I was all excited. It was Black Knight, and then I got it, and it's bizarro. And I love Solomon Grundy, and Solomon Grundy was weak in that storyline, and Man Bat, and all of a sudden he got a cure. So, oh man, what a what a it's just crap. And then it just left off where the real Superman, Batman, were out in outer space, and that was really weak. The only one that had a bright side was the Halloween special, and that was because it was totally different teams on that. Oh, man, but other than that, it's it's just been crap. That Star Wars issue, when you reviewed it, it sounded absolutely awful. Is that possibly one of the worst comics you've ever read? You know what? Superman Superman Batman is really up there with uh, werewolves and vampire ones. That (laughs) is just crap right now. And uh, uh, the unseen is really, if this last issue doesn't save the series, it's already making its footmark in there. So it's, oh man, I can't believe they make us waste our money like this. (laughs) There's some real, there's some real rubbish out there at the moment. So it's it's just as well. We're doing this feature to warn everyone what to pick up and what not to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So all the other ones we've got is we've got a mini. We've got two different mini series right now. One's called Arkham Reborn, which is actually covering the rebuilding of Arkham Asylum and some things happening inside Arkham Asylum. And I got to say, I'm actually. I mean, I've only, I haven't read the second issue yet, but the first issue, it was kind of interesting. 
and then there was something that happened on the very last page that kind of was kind of made me wonder how in the world or what in the world they were thinking but overall I'm, I'm liking this miniseries and then the other miniseries like I was talking about is called World's Finest and what it's doing is it's actually pairing um, a Superman character and a Batman character in one book and they have to do something together most of the time they're fighting a pair of villains one from Superman's universe one's from Batman's universe um, the first issue had Red Robin and the Nightwing not Nightwing from Batman but Nightwing from Superman teaming up to save Flamebird which is another Superman character but it's it's been interesting and it'll be more interesting as time progresses because we'll get to further along characters that actually are having more to do with Batman and Robin and seeing how this plays a part into what's going on in the books. Yeah, I, I, I'm really intrigued. I liked the first issue. I thought it was really okay. Um, but to have uh, different characters to team up with different sides, that's pretty cool because if they get to use different characters that not a lot of people have seen or kept through a storyline but get to experience them through this issue i think that's a plus so hopefully as long as stories stay good this this seems like a really good idea uh, yeah so i like the idea of the next uh, generation of of the heroes teaming up together i still find it a little bit odd having a nightwing who's a superman character just because i quite liked nightwing but uh, I'm getting I'm getting used to it, and this is one I want to check out. All right, so the next book we have is Gotham City Sirens, which is featuring the adventures of Catwoman, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy, and also the Riddler every once in a great while. And overall, it's an enjoyable book. It reminds me a lot of Batman the Animated Series of what the girls would do to get, when they were together. But there so far hasn't really been anything worthwhile that ties into what's going on in Gotham City yet. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I, I I was looking forward to this. Everyone that knew beforehand when we were talking about the titles that I was really looking forward to this. But uh, it's kind of like a halfway miss for me. Yeah, it doesn't really do anything for me either. All right, so the last book we have is Detective Comics, and this is featuring the adventures of Batwoman. Now, I got to say, when we probably talked about this before, I think... That we that I probably said it wasn't a good idea that Batwoman was taking over Detective Comics, but I stand corrected because the Batwoman in Detective Comics is actually really good, and in some cases has proven better than Batman in some of the Batman books. This is a real good one. What, what was that villain? What was the one with that with the, the pale face? Oh, what was it? Alice. 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 Yes. Oh man, I really like that character. That got me excited. So you could just hear my voice, man. I I get excited about that issue. And we thought that this was like, you know, privately off air. The things that we cut out were like, oh man, this is the Titanic. It's gonna sink. <laughs> but uh, this this issue has been a real surprise. I love it. I enjoy it, and I like the characters that are coming out in it. So I agree with us. This is a this is a real nice surprise. I felt that um, the artwork in the book, in the four or five issues we've had so far, is some of the best artwork I've ever seen. And uh, anyone who is, even if you're not interested in Batman, which would be odd if you're listening to this podcast, but even if you're not, uh, pick this up because it's fantastic. And you don't need to know anything. You can jump straight on. And um, it's a really, really great comic. The story, I have to admit, I think has been overrated a little bit. I, I found the story sometimes to be... Like when, when he introduced like the, the wolf and there was like an octopus or something, it got a bit strange. But um, the artwork just overshadows all of that, and it's so impressive that you just don't care. And it's such a good comic, and a lot of people are calling it one of the best comics of all time, so go get it. Agreed. Now... That's all of the comics that are actually out right now that you guys can go pick up. Now, I just want to remind you, even if you don't read the comics, but you are interested in getting the comics, um, December is jam-packed with all kinds of trade paperbacks, which are different comic stories grouped together in a little book that's a little bit cheaper than if you were to buy the single issues. Packed together, and there's a number of different books that are going to be released in December specifically because it's around Christmas time. So go pick those up. Um, and if you're a new comic reader and you haven't um, haven't really got into comics before, just go and check out the comic podcast, skip past all the bits with Dustin and Apple, if you find it a bit too confusing, and go straight to the BBFB bit, where um, I'll be reviewing a 
trade paperback every uh, every podcast and we're just going from we've been doing this for about a year now we started with batman year one and i've got batgirl year one coming up next so that should be interesting so just jump on board no you don't need to know any of the history and stuff just listen to it read the book see what you think and uh, hear my opinions and then get back to me and we'll slowly work through the books every two weeks and also we've got bat books for beginners on the blog just in case you missed out uh, when we started about a year ago, on the blog are all the old, all the old episodes just by themselves. So if you want to go on the blog and catch up, that's the place to go. You've changed things forever. Okay. So that's everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to go out and vote for us for Project Fanboy. We have until the end of the month to get as many votes as possible to win the award for favorite fan site. You can go out to iTunes and leave us reviews. You can head over to the website for daily news as well as editorials from us as well as other members of the site. You can check out the forums to chat with other Batman fans. And you can also email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Apple. This is Nick. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe podcast, episode number 45. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Later.